0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Covered 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash the Subscribe. Smash the like. Come and join us in the chat. It is a Monday, which means we do have some business to take care of. Our upon further review notes from the night games we weren't able to hit on during our instant reaction show on Saturday night. Uh, More thoughts on the games that we didn't necessarily get uh, a handle of as we spent Sunday and Monday morning reviewing more notes and fallout from the weekend that was, and our new Monday feature pole assassin (laughs) will be uh, coming up.
3: (laughs) Was that a monkey? I don't know what that was. I
0: I need to, I need to go back to the Springer clip and see if I can get uh, a sound effect of the monkey loaded up on the soundboard. Uh, But lot of breaking news. Very, very busy Sunday as we had, count them, one, two coach firings at the Power 5 level. First, it was Colorado announcing that they are moving on from Carl Durrell. And then Wisconsin announcing that they are moving on from Paul Christ. But Elliot, had you covered, but I did think that you did. Uh, a, you had a strong, uh, you see those sirens in your feed. To get, it, to get it going. I, w- I was very excited to hear that you know you still got the uh, emergency podcast going, and we all appreciate you jumping on. Uh, for the, the ones who tuned in live, got to get some questions in, go check out that Instant Reaction show where Bud uh, got things started on Wisconsin. So you, you got to hear a little bit of Bud. We'll dive into that a little bit further. Tom, you had the unenviable task of being the only CBS Sports College football writer on call for All Day Sunday. Mm -hmm. which means you wrote two poll stories you wrote the odds that were coming out Mm -hmm. and two breaking news coach firing stories plus candidate stories Mm -hmm. fun day for Tom. so i'll I'll at least give you a first crack at this Let's, let's start with wisconsin um the decision to move on from paul chris has come with a lot of chatter both in terms of how the players feel about this how the you know, quote-unquote, big-money people around the Wisconsin program or the university president or the athletic director feel about this. It seems to be divided in terms of some of the sentiment. What is your read on the situation at Wisconsin and what motivated the decision to make this move right now?
3: Well, first of all, I'm wearing an oversized crew neck in a touching ode to Paul Christ for everything that he accomplished at Wisconsin and wore on the sidelines. Um, I I'm somewhere in between in that, I get it. I was shocked by it. Like I've, I've texted with you earlier this week, Chip. I says, you know, Jim Leonard might be taking that job sooner than most people expect. And I didn't think it would be this quickly, but it's been, there's been rumblings about this for a while now. And if, I mean, Wisconsin made a bunch of changes on the offensive staff over the off season. And when you see a coaching staff do that, that's typically a sign that there's probably some pressure being put on the coach to get something done because the offense has struggled in recent years, and we've seen so far to start the season, the offense has not improved really in any matter, and the defense has kind of slipped off a little bit too, which is kind of ironic for the timing, seeing as how Jim Leonard's taking over the interim role. But when you look at Wisconsin, yes, Paul Christ has won a lot of games at Wisconsin, and you would think he has more credit in the bank than he apparently did, but they lost a non-conference game at home to Washington State. They just lost to Illinois at home by 24 they were completely non-competitive against Ohio State last week. Those things happen to Wisconsin from time to time, but all three of them are not supposed to happen in the same season, let alone in the first month of the season. So it's not shocking that Paul Christ had the move made on him, but I, as I wrote in the Monday after this morning, if Wisconsin would have had a 7-5, and 8-4 and four kind of season, which is what they seem to be on pace for, and they fired Chris after the season and Jim Leonard was coaching in the bowl game would not have surprised me at all. The fact Wisconsin's doing it now is what's surprising to me, because when you look at that program, you kind of just think of, you know, like the the, uh, Barstool Big Cat tweeted this morning, a picture of Stan Van Gundy at the press conference when he was fired at Wisconsin in 1995. That's the last time Wisconsin fired a men's basketball or men's football coach. Like this is a, this is a school that has traditionally had coaches either leave on their own or retire with like a replacement plan already in place. And so to see them firing in, you know, September, it's like I I jokingly wrote, I said, you know, that's something that like SEC teams are supposed to do because they're crazy, whereas Wisconsin is a Big Ten team with strong Midwestern values. So to me, the fact that Wisconsin is making this move says that with the way television money's coming, with the way the college football playoff is going to be expanding and changing everything, like if this could happen to Paul Christ, this could happen to anybody in the country at this point. So your school, no matter what your coach has done, couple bad years in a row or a couple at least down years compared to what you're used to schools are ready to make the move. The buyouts aren't the buyouts are nothing. The money is means nothing to anybody anymore. Like the big 10 will be getting a billion dollars a year. They don't care about 16 million. And their athletic director, Chris McIntosh also said that his buyouts not nearly as much as the reports state. So I'm guessing there was some sort of, you know, negotiation between both sides to let this happen, negotiate that down. But yeah, again, I think my greatest takeaway is that if Wisconsin's doing it this quickly in the season, there is no program in the Power 5 that will not do it this early in the season.
4: Mm. <laughs> it, uh, does it look to anybody else like they've been waiting for this opportunity because you could, th- you know, in theory, you would hope things would get back on schedule with games against Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland coming up. I mean, there are some winnable games coming up. Now, you say it was that bad. Maybe it was that bad, but you couldn't let them play it out and see if they could play their way out of this funk. It seems to me – I don't know where this is coming from, but there's a lot of – and Jim Leonard's been a hot name in the coaching circles. Maybe this is something that some people have wanted to happen. You know, didn't want it to happen to the players. That's where I always come back to this, and Braylon Allen sent out that tweet last night that said, you know, the only people that wanted – um that wanted Paul Chris out were not in this locker room. You know, he basically said the players like their coach, but I, it's, the players don't get a say and they don't, and they don't, in the NFL either or any other sport. Usually it's management's decision. You could like your coach all the want, you know, and I could hear the critics saying, well, play harder for that coach then if you want it. I wonder if this. And you guys tell me what you think. I think this feels kind of like what happened at Nebraska when they got – and totally different reasons, right? Bo Pelini didn't have a great relationship with the boosters, with the media, with a lot of people, but the success was there. It just wasn't good enough. I just wonder if this Wisconsin program is out of place, and they're like, we want more, we want more, and you better be careful because it could get a lot worse before it gets better, if it gets better at all, which is what Nebraska is still realizing.
0: The unsubstantiated chatter is that if if Jim because then Jim Leonard get a Green Bay look
3: like Jim Leonard has gotten a lot of looks from people. The prevailing theory from what people I've talked to is that he's turned down some pretty decent offers because he's had this job in his sights for a while. And this is the job he wants and he's happy in Madison. But I think that part of what happened here, Danny, as far as what you're talking about is...
0: You get ahead of it so that Paul Chris yeah. can't win those games. You like, right. make it easier to be able to make that move. And if you're afraid that Jim Leonard's going to be out and you're going to miss your window to be able to hire this coach who you've sort of had in mind for the big picture plan, then you, you just got to go ahead and do it. It just stinks for the players, kind of as you right.
4: Mentioned. And if he wins those games, then it's like, hey, look at us. We've got our guy right here in our backyard. He just won four games in a row. Let's go ahead and give him the deal. I, hate it. I, I think it was instructive
1: what the AD said, right? He said, I'm making this move with looking three or four years down the line, mm-hmm. not to try to save this season. And I think it's important to note that because as divisions go away in the Big Ten, I talked about this a little bit on, on the instant. Like my opinion of all these these Big Ten West jobs is, is reduced from what it was four or five years ago because you're not going to get the benefit of playing all, all these crappy West teams, right? your your schedule is probably going to be a full loss harder per year, especially with the addition of the two California schools. So uh, you're going to have to hit this higher this out of the park to equal what Paul Christ gave you over the last seven years. There's a really good chance that the next guy you hire could be a better coach than Paul Christ and have worse results because of the schedule difficulty upcoming. I get what you're saying, and I don't want to go too
3: far off the topic on this one, but I will point out when Nebraska joined the Big Ten – Nebraska was in a much better situation than most of the Big Ten West teams were. And moving to the Big Ten has been a rough adjustment for the Cornhuskers. Moving to the Big Ten and that regional footprint could prove to be a little more difficult for USC and UCLA at the same time. But I I think partially going back to Wisconsin, like you were saying, Chip, I think this is just – Danny, you mentioned the schedule. They want Jim Leonard to get those wins because they're trying to set this up to where Jim Leonard, you know, they're giving him the chance, the runway to have success, turn the thing around and get things feeling well going forward. And I do think that with the expanded playoff, like Wisconsin is a team that is going to want to be getting a playoff berth. And that's what they're doing. And I also think another aspect to it, like you mentioned what the AD said, Chris McIntosh is a new athletic director. You see it in all walks of life. A new person comes in, takes over. And they make a move to let you know they're in charge now. And Barry Alvarez is the looming figure over the Wisconsin program and has been for a very long time. This could also partially be Chris McIntosh's way of saying, I'm in charge now.
0: Mm, uh, Paul Christ. 67 and 26 at Wisconsin, 43 and 18. He had three Big Ten West Division titles, never finished worse than third in the division. Four top 25 finishes, two top 10 finishes, but uh, 2020 in the pandemic season, four and three, nine and four a season ago, two and three start out immediately, as Wisconsin said. Coach Jim Leonard uh, comes in. Bud, you mentioned. These Big Ten West jobs, I want to get to ranking all of the available Power Five jobs here in just a little bit. But first, the Jim Leonard factor seems like step A. Are, are there other names that you think we should be watching in terms of uh, the Wisconsin hire? Either that should be considered, that you think will be considered, or if the Jim Leonard interim project doesn't work out, it does make it a little bit more difficult to, uh, to hire him as the full-time head coach. Who should we have our eye on for this job?
3: Lance Leipold.
0: Man, boy, that paycheck. Congrats to Lance, yeah. man. Is this, this, this is a good good season to be Lance Leipold right now.
3: To be clear, I think it's going to be Jim Leonard. I would say there's a 95% chance that Jim Leonard will be Wisconsin's coach when the season starts next year. I think that's what everybody wants. I think that's the plan. But if the program falls flat on its face the rest of the season and if they can't do it, then I think Leipold would be the obvious target. Leipold, you know, we saw what he did at Buffalo. We've He's gotten Kansas ranked after only 17 games at Kansas, but he won a bunch of national titles at Wisconsin, Whitewater, and D3. He's from Wisconsin. So it makes plenty of sense if it's not Leipold. I mean, Dave Aranda's I, I, I included Dave Aranda in my candidates list. He was the D.C. at Wisconsin. I think Dave Dorn is somebody that would make sense for Wisconsin. I've seen Jake Dickert, the Washington State coach, mentioned. Sean Lewis at Kent State, a former Wisconsin tight end. There are a lot of coaches that I think would be interested in this job because you know, part of the reason that they're able to pay that buyout so easily is because Wisconsin is a Big Ten program with a ton of money. It is the kind of job. That can take a sitting Power Five coach, just like USC and LSU did last year.
1: Does it spend that money? Because like I, I hear different things on this. Like, like why, why did Bielema leave Wisconsin for Arkansas? Right? Wouldn't it, pay his staff, right? Wouldn't pay his staff. Yeah, it's, they wouldn't pay the staff. They wouldn't, pay the staff. they wouldn't give him the size of the support staff he wanted. Like, is Wisconsin this move basically says we're we're going to play big boy ball? Yeah, right? they got a new AD. Yep.
0: Yeah, and more. <laughs> this is Brett Bielema wasn't dealing with the Big Ten checks that are coming in now.
1: That's no. very true.
0: So, um, also on Sunday, Colorado moves on from Carl Durrell, less surprising. I think that this was one that we have been circling for a while. It's been a, a very, it's been a woeful product for the buffs on the field where I thought that one of the most interesting conversations coming out of this is where, where is Colorado? Like what is, what is a realistic hire? What are realistic expectations for the Colorado football program as we continue to look uh, into the future you know, a program that uh, Mike McIntyre out, Carl Durrell in, you know, before McIntyre, you start to, to put a thread through uh, the different head coaching. I mean, it's, it's been a little bit of a, with the exception of that one year where they popped, it's been a little bit of a rough go for it here in the modern era. What, what should we expect from the Colorado head coaching job? And Because uh, I think you know, we don't need to talk about reaction. You understand why you moved on. So what's next for Colorado?
1: Good luck to whoever it is. Ryan I think it's going to be Rick George making the hire, though, because it looks like the, he's the AD who, who hired Durrell, but I think he's going to get a pass for that hire because it was such a, an emergency situation where like Mel Tucker left for Michigan State. I don't know what to make of this Colorado job. I actually think it's a pretty nice market mm-hmm. if you want to go get a retread. Right? There's a lot of guys out there. Maybe a Tom Herman, Right? maybe a... Bronco Mendenhall or a uh, Dan Mullen, perhaps. The other thing to, th- to keep in mind here is Rick George is an Illinois alum. Mm-hmm. So if he's interested in Ryan Walter, sorry, Tom, no, maybe I- uh, like maybe he. Like, I think he'll get a good read on, on Ryan Walters because people inside that program should shoot him straight as far as, hey, is this guy ready to be a head coach? What do you think of him as far as managing? his analyst and, and, and the guys who work underneath him. He's you know, done a great job at, at Illinois. I thought he did a great job at Missouri, by the way. I think it was a mistake for, Mur- or, for Missouri to uh, to get rid of him. So I, I think they might just fall ass backwards into uh, a good hire. Know, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I I think Bronco Mendenhall
3: makes a ton of sense for this job if he's even interested in getting back into coaching. I don't know that he is, but,
1: I mean, he's, he's had success at BYU, which is in the same kind of area, but – I think he's, he's definitely interested, Tom. Like yeah. with the amount of uh, his name being floated by by some media that we follow, I I think that's him. That's to get the Word out. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
3: What he was able to do at Virginia is it's he could do at Colorado because Colorado is a place where you can win. There's a history of that program winning, and it's also you know a pretty decent place to live too. So I think it's an attractive job to a lot of coaches. I think Ryan Walters makes a ton of sense for Colorado because he's done an excellent job with that Illinois defense. He is the Colorado alum. But my question there is, I don't know what the financial situation is at Colorado right now with the Pac-12 TV deal and what they're dealing with coming off the COVID years. So Ryan Walters is going to be getting a raise. It's just, is he going to be getting enough of a raise at Colorado to get him to leave Illinois to take on what's going to be a pretty big rebuilding project? Because you look at that Colorado roster, that's that's not a power five roster. So whoever takes that job is going to need time to get it. So does Walters want to take that job as his first head coaching job, or will he wait around to see if there's something a little more firmer coming? I think he's definitely going to be interested. I don't know if Colorado will be as interested or if they feel like you said they need somebody who's more established and can kind of has a, tr- a track record of rebuilding a program that needs to be rebuilt.
0: What you have on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube.com slash Cover 3 is a... Friendly little chart. It was we we were sharing some charts out here on Twitter with Tom Fernelli this morning. Uh, Tom, you want to explain what we've got here? Um, uh,
3: yeah. The the x axis is expected points added per snap, while the y axis is success rate or not success rate, explosive play rate allowed defensively. And Colorado is way up in the top left, and you do not want to be in the top left of this graph. And as somebody on Twitter pointed, Colorado is the Alaska to every other Power 5 team's contiguous 48 U.S. states on this chart because (laughs) it is far away from anybody else. It has been terrible.
0: Yeah, it is losing points per snap on defense in terms of EPA, and it is giving up explosive plays on defense at an incredible rate especially compared to the rest of the country all right before you we hit-
1: see Fanduel posted an updated season win total <laughs> this is just mean mm-hmm. for colorado half? i don't know what the limits half? are because I, I can't bet this in florida half yeah yeah and it's it, it's juice minus 120 to the under
3: <sighs>
1: arizona was one of the more winnable games now it's i feel like it's gonna be arizona state or bust at this point for the Buffs. who could they get yeah do they play cal because mm. Plummer's no. hurt. Pl- pl- Plummer left that game and they got a bye week this week. So people, yes, they do play
0: that. Cal. They host Cal on October 15th. That's oh, actually their next game. Too.
1: They're off this week. Cal's offense could screw around enough to where like they could pull a miracle potentially.
0: Dead cat bounce October 15th. We're taking the buffs and the points.
1: Hell yeah. Let's go, let's, buffs.
0: Let's go, buffs. You're gonna, we're going to get like what a 28 and a half on that. I mean, you start the game with a 28 but, point yeah, lead.
1: Yeah, yeah. Come on. Can't lose. Just don't blow that. The not going to lay twenty eight points on the road to any team. Like they would not lay twenty eight at Hawaii. I don't think.
4: <laughs> what do you think the expectations should be for this job? I think that's because I do think when you said retreads, I wonder if a young coach first job might want something with a little bit more security yeah. um, and a little bit more, you know, stability around yeah. it. That's where I do think the re like there might be some coaches that pass on this. Um, Eric Bieniemy already passed on it the last time around. He's a player who knows the program better than any. I think I'd love to see him get a head job. I don't know why. Why would you leave Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL's you know history, to go take a job that's going to be an incredible risk? But I do think the I think it should be better. I mean, it's have, I lived in Denver, Boulder's not that far. It's close to a major city. It's beautiful. The weather's great. It's a progressive city. Like you should be able to at least be competitive there. Where I think somebody, if you get somebody in there with some savvy that can recruit just a little bit, I, I think you should be able to get this thing turned around to at least where you're seven or eight wins. And then every once in a while you get nine or 10, kind of like they used to be.
0: All right. So this is not savvy and this is not uh, recruiting prowess. But I mean, Paul Christ.
3: That's, I actually had that thought myself too. I was like, Paul Christ, the timing was when I was like, because I think Paul Christ would be a decent hire. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Brian Harson. Want to keep coaching? Like, that's another question. I I a buddy of mine is a big Wisconsin fan, and he pointed out that Chris' dad tragically passed at 54 while coaching, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of wonder if there's some Bob Stoops stuff going on here. How quickly does Paul Chris want to get back in the game? I don't want to speak for him, but Stoops, who was already pretty well known in the industry, was not going to be one of these lifers that grinds until they're 80 and, and tries to die on the job. Now he's you know hawking tequila and look like, like he's having a, a grand old time every day on Instagram, right? So I wonder how hard Paul Chris wants to get back into coaching. And if he does, like, is this the job you want? And do you want to do it immediately? I I don't know. I do think as far as expectations at Colorado, I mean,
3: first of all, are they going to be Pac-12 or Big 12? We really don't know right now that, any, that anything's possible as far as the future. But I think that if you're a Buffs fan – 9 and 10 win seasons might be a little bit too much of an expectation, but I do think you want to be consistently reaching bowl games at an absolute minimum and then hoping you cycle up for a couple seasons, maybe win 9 or 10 once in a while, but they've they've been a lot worse than they have been, than they should
1: be the last few years.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's for those teams that if you were to power rank them throughout the conference, I think as a fan, you just ask for competitiveness. You know, you just like what what can we do to close the gap so that these games against the teams in the middle pack are winnable and the games against the teams at the top of the conference aren't embarrassing year in and year out. And I think that that's that's what you got to start with. Right. Yeah. Something along those lines. Okay, we have now increased our number of power five jobs that are open We had Nebraska open up after week two. We had Herm Edwards and Arizona State. So, Arizona State open up after week three. We've got the um, Georgia Tech job open. We've got Colorado open, and we've got Wisconsin job open. Am I missing any Power 5 jobs? Five Power 5 jobs open after five weeks of the season? Mm Mm-hmm. Woo! Woo! We're We're cooking right now. All right, so let's rank them. What are... What what are the five? What, what How do you rank the five power five jobs that are open after week five? I got five on it. I you want got em? four. Let's get kids. Ready?
4: Yeah. yeah. Here you go. You tell me what you think. Nebraska's one. Wisconsin's two. Arizona State's three. Georgia Tech is four. Colorado, a distant fifth.
3: I disagree at two spots. Bud, what are yours? I want to hear Tom's first. All right. Uh, one, Wisconsin. Two, Nebraska. Three, Arizona State. Four, Colorado. Five, Georgia Tech.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think Colorado's a distant fifth. You can argue that Georgia Tech, Colorado, four and five, but I think that they are close and definitely on a, a separate tier just because the, the Georgia Tech job is only going to continue to get more. I've, I like Bud's point about the transfer portal era just only going to get more difficult because selling the Georgia Tech experience to somebody in the transfer portal is pretty difficult. And the ability for another team to come in and offer a very different type situation in terms of the academic and you know, experience around the university makes it poachable. So I, I think Georgia – I've got Wisconsin 1, Nebraska 2, Gap, Arizona State, Gap. And then kind of a tie Colorado, Georgia Tech.
1: So I have uh, I'm going to actually defer to Tom as far as one, two with the ordinal rank. So I will have Wisconsin at the top. Now, I think that you can argue that the gap there is smaller until we actually see Wisconsin commit fully to NIL, commit to paying assistance and, and all that kind of stuff. There, there is some thought in my mind that, that Nebraska could pass them just by outspending them. But with everybody getting the bag from the Big Ten there really shouldn't be uh, a, a, a non a spending issue at Wisconsin going forward. So I'll agree that Wisconsin just because of recent history, but I don't think the gap is huge between them and Nebraska. Arizona State's the clear three. I think everybody had that. I do have Georgia Tech over Colorado because uh, I don't think that the Pac-12's TV deal without USC and UCLA is going to be better than what the ACC has. So, I mean, I think there's a chance the Pac-12 really really falls off. Money wise, without those two LA schools, but and also Big Twelve. Games. If you're right, maybe they maybe they combo with the Big Twelve, but they also don't have big TV draws in the Big Twelve without those two. Like Stuart Mandela, the Athletics, done a great job pointing this out. Those Big Twelve games, even when they're ranked v ranked, if they don't involve Oklahoma and Texas, the rankings yeah. suck or the ratings suck. So I'll go with Georgia Tech just because of paycheck stability there. But I agree that like, it's not a great gig it's very hard to deal with i will say as far as wisconsin's nil game
3: they did make a run at caleb williams they did so it's not that they're not willing to play they just haven't really you know i don't think they can in the recruiting natural out of wisconsin but we might see them take a bigger step in that but i think in the transfer portal wisconsin's willing to pay
4: i will also say this said it a bunch of times talked to a bunch of coaches about it if you miss on a quarterback, it will cost you your job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to throw Graham Mertz under the bus, but wasn't he the highest rated recruit that Wisconsin had ever, you know, had? And you know, it just didn't work out, and it that was all they had in the roster. Didn't have a lot of other options to go to, and here we are. Like you gotta, you gotta get a quarterback who can play. If you don't, I mean. that. Talked a lot about that. I think that was what led to kind of Florida State's downturn was the Chris Ricks era, which really kind of struggled and set him back because that was all they had. He never got better. And it was, you just kind of stuck. Also,
3: for what it's worth, as far as we're on this topic, I did reach out to a few coaches asking them the same question about Wisconsin or Nebraska. Of the five that I got actual answers from, four out of five coaches agree Wisconsin's a more attractive job right now than Nebraska.
4: Why, why is it? Yeah. Why do you think more that is? winning stability recently? Like
3: the from what I was told, it's a couple different reasons. One is just yeah, like there's a blueprint and a track record of success there that they trust right now, and they just feel like it's a more stable job than what Nebraska has been.
1: They also do they want to keep following that blueprint. That's that's a question I have for
3: that's one thing. Yeah, not all of them do. But another thing that one coach told me was that they feel like it's you know with with Madison closer to Chicago they feel like there's a more fertile recruiting ground in the in the immediate vicinity than they've got in Nebraska. And it's, you know, do you go to Texas? Or are you recruiting the Midwest? You don't, Nebraska doesn't really know what it's doing as far as where its recruiting ground is right now.
1: Tom, Madison's also pretty close to St. Louis, if, if the geography in my head is, is correct. Like, it's drivable, it's, right? It's it's a long drive, but yeah, you can.
3: But like, Minnesota's got talent, and you're not that far away from there. So it's just, there's more of a major kind of high schoolish, high school recruiting ground area available to madison than there is in wisconsin football high school football is actually getting pretty good too because over the years a lot of chicago chicagoland area families have moved north of the border to wisconsin which has increased the talent level there as well madison I mean,
1: st louis to madison is five and a half like danny Den- what, what's your drive to tallahassee from lauderdale seven yeah. Oof. <laughs> florida's so long it is madison. so
3: long
0: <laughs> madison also sweet
3: it's a great city. For sure. Like, there's a few months out of the year where you really don't want to be there, but for about nine months, it's a nice place
4: to be.
0: Yeah, Madison. I can't can't speak to to Lincoln, so I don't want to be besmirch Lincoln, but
4: Lincoln's a cool town too. It's uh-huh. it's not
3: bad. And not it, bad. one thing though, like this was not mentioned to me by anybody, but I think another part of Nebraska is you're in such a fishbowl there because you are the show.
0: Yeah, and that's a. Good thing or a bad thing? Both. I think it uh, could be bad
4: for some. It could be good. Yeah. If you're winning, stuff. it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Coming up on the other side, it is our weekly review, our gripes, our analysis, our takeaways from the new AP Top 25 and Coaches Poll college football rankings. It is Poll Assassin, and upon further review, next.
2: Selling a little or a lot. to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com odyssey podcast
1: okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you
0: at least for the moment as kansas now 5 and 0 after its win against iowa state is ranked in both the AP Top 25 and in the coaches' poll. The Jayhawks check in at number 19 in the AP poll, number 17 in the coaches' poll. It was a week with a lot of shakeup, as TCU, UCLA, Kansas all undefeated make debuts at 17, 18, and 19 in the AP Top 25. Syracuse also cracking the Top 25 in the AP poll. They were ranked last week in the coaches' poll. Mississippi State, Cincinnati, LSU – uh, climbing back up into the top 25. There's also a big change over at the top. Georgia struggles and a near upset to Missouri lead to the Bulldogs dropping to number two as the Alabama Crimson Tide take over number one. In the AP Top 25 poll, uh, Georgia actually has more first place votes. 28 first place votes for the Bulldogs. Alabama has 25 first place votes. Ohio State has 10 First place votes and the voting margin incredible 1,523 points for the Crimson Tide, 1,521 points for the Georgia Bulldogs. The margin, uh, a little not quite as close in the coaches' poll. Alabama with 34 first place votes, Georgia with 23 first place votes. Change over at the top, jump out at you. Uh, Or is it something a little bit further down in the rankings, or maybe even a team that should be ranked that's not? What stands out here in our post week five update of Pole Assassin?
1: I think the bottom is just jacked because of the SEC. I mean, like LSU should not be ranked. Okay. Not, not only are Washington State, Baylor, and Florida State better teams than LSU, they all have better resumes. What Washington State has a road win at Wisconsin, right? And beat the crap out of Cal this weekend. LSU squeaked by Mississippi State on it's kind of special things late and they played a, a dead man walking team in Auburn. Okay. And needed four Auburn turnovers to, to win there. I, I, I would take Washington state to Baylor to beat Mississippi state too. Like they, I, I'm not, I don't get, I mean, I do get it because it's, it's SEC voting bias, but like, and I don't try to lean into this every year, but this year I do. I feel like Danny, this is just pretty bad. And Kentucky, Kentucky has no good performances on the year. They had two, like they luck boxed the hell out of that Florida game, had two pick sixes. Their offense looks like complete garbage. They're
3: a top. Explosive offenses in the country, I'm told.
4: Hey, they got a number one overall pick on that offense, too. I'm, I'm told.
1: told. <laughs> yeah, Jamarcus Russell was the number one overall pick, too. <laughs> yes, um, he was. I mean, like. James Madison's not ranked. At app's not ranked, Washington State, Baylor. Oh, uh, Coastal's got a zero in the loss column. Yeah, I mean I <coughs> you thought you're from Maryland.
4: Yeah, there's a lot. I there's a couple other things in there too. I was, you know, when you see the swap at the top, you're like, okay, good. They're they're willing to kind of reassess what they think, but then it's kind of that's about where it stops because I think you can make a case Clemson should be higher. If you're going on resumes, how they looked I mean, the last two weeks, Clemson has had significant wins, one of them on the road against a really good Wake Forest team at home against NC State, who's a really good football team, but they just kind of stay stagnant. I To me, like if you were going to... Go with the resume. I think you should jump them over Michigan all day long. Who's if And the one thing that I've always heard is with the rankings, especially when the committee comes out, is they want to hold scheduling against you, right? We should encourage scheduling and scheduling tougher teams. And Michigan just does not have that many resume builders. Now, they'll get more. And a win against Iowa is nice, but it's their only win of note that's on there. The other thing is BYU. BYU is kind of just out there as a you know number 16 team, four and one which they almost they the Utah state game was not exactly a controlled game their best win was against Baylor a game they could have lost at the same time they lose to Oregon i'm just perplexed as why some of these it just they get stuck there so when you start voting you just leave them as a placeholder and then they just slowly tick up you like start over start from fresh and if you did i think you'd have a way more accurate assessment of the teams that are ranked where they're supposed to be ranked I don't hate this week's poll. Like, there's really nothing
3: in there that bothers me too much. I do think Kentucky is a little too high, and it's still just a symptom of, well, we ranked them there in the preseason, and they've only lost once, so they can't be that much worse. And people aren't, you know, watching Kentucky pretty clearly. But other than that, like, bud, I, I get what you're saying. I don't think LSU should be ranked over a few teams, but I have absolutely no problem with Baylor not being one of them because I don't think any team that's lost 40% of its games this point of the season should be ranked, no matter who you've lost to or who you've beaten. But other than that, really, I, I don't hate it. I think that they've got mostly right. I don't think Mississippi State's great, but I'm not that upset about the Bulldogs being ranked at this point. I agree, Danny. Clemson does deserve a little more consideration. And John Wilner, who is known for having one of the more contrarian ballots on every single week, has Clemson at number two on his ballot. And I don't think that's that crazy. I think that there's actually, like you said, a very decent argument for it. So I'm cool with that. And then I will say, Chip, you said there are no more cowards. They're not cowardly anymore. There are two cowards
0: who didn't put Kansas on the ballot.
3: There are two voters who did not put Kansas on the ballot. It was uh, the Avalanche, Lubbock Avalanche Journals. Don Williams and it was Y -Y WSYM in Lansing, Michigan's Jack Ebling. So I will say, you know, gentlemen, maybe you should have Kansas ranked instead of uh, two and two Florida, which Don Williams has at 15 on his ballot.
1: (laughs) Where's the Avalanche
3: Journal Uh, on Texas? I will say it's funny because if you look up on Don's ballot, like the the top 13, 14 teams all perfectly. Reasonable, but then Florida just jumps up at fifteen, one spot ahead of Utah. So Don is clearly following uh, if you beat them, I can't rank you ahead of them kind of logic there. Because if he wanted to put Utah at sixteen, I guess he felt he had to put two and two Florida at fifteen. Although Florida is is Florida three and two now. Was that their fifth game that they played yesterday? I don't know. Does it matter? He's got Arkansas three and two at seventeen. And then he's yeah, and then he's got he's got those teams ranked with two losses, but he does not have an undefeated Kansas ranked, even though
4: who is this again? More.
3: Don Williams, the Texas Tech beat writer who does a terrific job covering Texas Tech for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, but the ballot needs some
1: work. And the other guy w- was was in in uh, East Lansing, Michigan. In Lansing, Michigan, he appears to be a radio. Who yeah, I don't also- know if they if they. If, they, if he travels to the games. But it strikes me that both those guys that uh, that you just named had road games this weekend. Mm-hmm. And as voting media, if you are traveling back home, that is less time to watch other games. I will say for Ebling's ballot, like I,
3: I think he should have Kansas ranked. But the only thing I look at kind of with a raised eyebrow on there is him having three and two Purdue at 24. Other than that, perfectly fine with the entire ballot. But Kansas should be on there instead of Purdue.
0: The CBS Sports 131 has a new number one this week, there have actually been six editions of the CBS Sports 131. We've had five different combinations of the top three teams. But for the first time, the Ohio State Buckeyes are taken over as the number one team in the country. Do the Buckeyes have uh, a claim as the CBS Sports and 20 se- 24-7 sports experts who vote in the rankings? Do the Buckeyes have a claim to have more of a share of that number one first place voting
4: uh, in the AP poll or in the coaches poll? I don't well, well, I was going to say, if they had covered and got the fake punt and actually scored <laughs> on that play, then definitely they would have. But because they didn't and they got in the brawl after, then clearly that should be a knock against them. I, as far as, so that's, that's when you get into a little bit of the game control. Like, how did you look versus how did you play? Because I don't think their resume, their resume is all actually weakening. Yes, you know since they beat Notre Dame, since they beat Wisconsin, and then that's really it. But they've been impressive in every game since Notre Dame. So I think you could make a case on the whole they've looked dominant. But I always I'd prefer to lean towards the better wins, which I do think Alabama with you know the game uh, the game in Arkansas and without your starting quarterback for half that would be a better win than. I would say even Notre Dame at home for um, the, the Buckeyes right now.
3: Yeah, I think, I think Danny nailed it. Yeah, yeah sorry. the road wins over Texas. And then, like you said, beating Arkansas by 23, even though you didn't have your starting quarterback for over half the game. I think that's more impressive than anything
1: Ohio State's done. If they play tomorrow, th- this is sort of the power rating versus resume I- idea, right, at the top, which because they all have somewhat good resumes, that there is a more power rating element at the top, I think, uh, at least for me. I would pick Ohio State right now if they played like a round robin because Ohio State is a healthy quarterback. We don't actually know what the status of Bryce Young is. My guess is that Bryce Young doesn't play this weekend because they need to rest him up for Tennessee. That's a game they could actually lose. They will not lose to this Texas A&M squad. Uh, But all three of these teams right now seem like they're not as separated from the rest of the pack to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the commonality here is receiver injuries, right? We are waiting on Alabama to get some guys back and healthy. We are waiting on Georgia to get mm. some guys back and healthy. Like, yeah. A doesn't look 100% to me for Ohio State, and Jackson Smith and Jigba is still kind of, you know, healing up. So, do you think so? Because I, I don't want to speculate. Like, I don't want to say that that's the case. But
3: No, I'm just goofing. I, I, I think that he's legitimately hurt, but I also think Ohio State is being very cautious about bringing him back, seeing as how they don't need him to win
1: the games that they're currently playing. They also probably don't need him this weekend. Yeah. At Michigan State, which Maryland bombed it on Michigan State and then ran away and and hid in the second half. Like that game should have flown over based on how it was in the first half. And then Maryland's like, no, we're good. Uh, Michigan State's offense also kind of sucks. We'll just play ball control second half. Mm. It was, it was wild. Michigan State, which
0: has tumbled more than 40 spots in the CBS Sports 131 since they peaked at 14, now at 68. So, Billing um, ass team, Michigan yeah. team.
1: We, I, I would like to discuss Oklahoma State. I do not think Oklahoma State is a top 10 quality team at this point. All right? Mm. I bet them against Arizona State, they cashed for me. I was very happy about that. I think they're an improved team offensively. I think they're not as good of a team defensively. They have wins over a bad Arizona State team that got housed at home to, to Eastern Michigan. They got wins over a bad Central Michigan team, right? I mean – Toledo beat the hell out of Central Michigan this weekend. And they went down there and they beat Baylor. And look, they deserve credit for getting the win. But if you watch the game, right, Baylor had 30% more yards per play. Okay. And basically just turnovers and special teams that were the deciding factor there. I don't think that they are playing like a top 10 quality team. Now they have a zero in the loss column. I totally get why the AP voters are putting them there. But for me, I don't see a top ten quality play right now because some of the stuff they're doing in these games is not really repeatable skill, and they have shown some weaknesses. Arizona State moved the ball on them fairly well. Baylor also moved the ball on this defense, and I think this is just kind of waiting to uh, waiting to explode. Yeah,
3: I, I I would agree in that now that Kentucky's no longer in the top ten, I'm not. Again, I don't have a problem with really anything as far as where the rankings are right now, but I do think that if you're trying to find the most quote-unquote fraudulent top 10 team right now, Oklahoma State's your runaway leader in that department.
1: How many teams would you rank or, on a neutral site if they play tomorrow? How many teams would you have over Oklahoma State? Because I have... That are behind
3: them in the rankings. Tennessee, Old Miss, Penn State, Utah, Oregon. Yep. TCU. That's going to be kind of a big game.
1: Uh, maybe UCLA. If they played it again, neutral side, are you picking Baylor after what you watched? After what I saw, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that me too. Their team in that game, they just lost.
0: I would yeah, take USC was, and UCLA. The third quarter of that game was watch. done. Everything else was like basically a stalemate, but you get the kickoff return, you get a couple turnovers, and then all of a sudden you've established an advantage that they were just able to kind of sit on the rest of the way. I,
1: oh. I would take them to beat Kentucky, though, for sure
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, all right, so let's play this out as, I mean, I guess this kind of isn't a pun for the review with a look at Oklahoma State, judging them um, not as a top 10 team, but also moving forward. So Oklahoma State, upcoming schedule, Texas Tech at home this weekend, followed by at TCU, followed by Texas at home, followed by at Kansas State at Kansas, so out of those one, two, three, four, five games, Texas Tech, TCU, Texas, Kansas State, Kansas. What is Oklahoma State's record? Or I guess, ease to make it easier. How many losses does Oklahoma State have as we get into the home stretch of the regular season?
1: They're losing at least two of those games. I would say, like the over/under for remaining losses for them is probably three and a half.
4: Ooh. Whoa. So, you think they lose three out of four of those? No, no. No, I, I mean, for the rest, the rest of the season.
0: season. Oh, where like, they, they still have at Oklahoma. They have Oklahoma in yeah. Norman uh, yeah. mm-hmm. on November the 19th. So, you're okay. saying, agree with Tom, they would lose two of the games in that stretch and then maybe one more after that
1: or three. If I was odds making this, like if we, if we put up new, and Caesars actually does this, by the way. Shout out Caesar for putting up some, some new you know, season win total stuff occasionally. I would probably set it nine and, and, and juice the under. If I had to put up a new one,
4: Danny, what do you think? Uh, the next three, I think they win. Uh, I think they go three and one through the stretch. I'm a little bit more bullish on Oklahoma State than you guys. Well, I might mean, be some preseason bias coming in, but I think they're probably 10 and two when it's all said and done. I Dan- need to know who the one is. I don't know. TCU is playing with some mojo right now. You know, I mean that's. <laughs> I got a buddy of mine who texts me all the time about Sonny Dykes going back to SMU, and he's like, he's the cover king. He's like, my man, and he has been pointed out and just riding them all the way to the bank here this season. He's been. They got something special brewing.
3: Yeah, I got I got under that TCU twenty eight one ticket when Bud told us about it. So I'm suddenly becoming finding myself being a huge Horned Frogs fan right now. It's like I'm torn between TCU and Kansas. They're both loves of my life at the
0: moment.
4: The Big that's Twelve is awesome. I it yeah, yeah. is. Yes. Some of this depends too on what is uh what does Quinn Ewers look like when he gets back? You know, does Texas take off? What you know, what happens with him back at the helm? That'd be fascinating. <laughs> two and two might be the stretch coming home though, right here in these four games. The you, if you judge
1: these conferences by average team rating, big, I the think the big twelve is three. like tied with the Big Ten
4: but oh, they I might be that. the one that doesn't get a team in because they all bang up each other at the I was, top. I
1: was
0: just about to say that. The ACC yeah. and the Pac-12 are more likely to be represented in the college football playoff, but top to bottom, the Big 12 is better than both of those conferences.
3: Yeah, I got some like messages from Iowa State fans over the weekend They were asking me if Iowa State's the worst team in the Big 12. I I think Coca cover your ears. I'm pretty sure it's West Virginia, but I don't think there's a terrible team in the big 12. I think the fact that Kansas is suddenly what it is right now. It's like the worst team in that conference is still pretty much just slightly below
1: average. Texas tech without Chuck has been non-competitive against Kansas state and NC state. And they were extremely fortunate turnover wise against Texas. So I, there's an argument. It's Texas, Texas, or it's Texas Tech without Tyler Shuck.
0: I thought that Texas Tech was playing all right until they kind of lost it there at the end. I thought that Donovan
1: Smith did an okay job against Kansas State. They moved it. I just I'm concerned that like we know what the formula is to beat Texas to beat Kansas State. Even though they have not lost to anybody other than Tulane, it's get them to third and long because they are just absolute dead when when Martinez has to drop back to throw the ball without play action. Texas Tech was not able to do that, and I mean Deuce Vaughn and Martinez had multiple forty yard runs each. So I, I don't know. To me, their defense kind of got got ripped for the second week in a row.
0: Who's in the uh, Big Twelve championship game?
1: TCU and somebody. Hmm. Hmm. I, it's. I mean, it's wide open. I think. Like you can sort of exclude Oklahoma because they would have to run the table, probably. I because don't think tie a three,
0: yeah, I don't know if a three loss uh three loss team is making it to the to, to making it to the Big Twelve title game. I think that we will have two two loss teams and maybe even have like three two loss teams, but one of them doesn't have the right tiebreakers to get in.
4: TCU and Kansas. Let's oh oh <laughs>
0: let's, <laughs> go. let's go! Let's do it. <laughs> Inherently, every Big 12 title game is going to be a rematch of some regular season game, but goodness gracious, the excitement going into undefeated TCU, undefeated Kansas this weekend, legendary type stuff.
1: I actually think there's, it might be, it might be Texas. Could be. They're getting, they're getting Ewers back. They have played, they played Alabama well and lost without Ewers. I think they were, demonstrably the better team on the road in Lubbock and lost. Look, guys, Texas Tech's I'm not going to give that win back, but turnover luck is a thing, and we, we see this when you're talking about teams going forward, so you have to factor this in. They have one Big 12 loss, which sucks for them right now, but one of their road games this year is Oklahoma. They host Iowa State after that, uh, and then they get uh, on the road at Oklahoma State, which they could probably drop a 40-burger there, I think. At Kansas State looks tough, but again, Texas defense has not been playing that poorly. Then they host TCU. At Kansas, host Baylor. Right? Any of these teams could really still get there. Also, next, probably not West Virginia.
0: Also, next level <laughs> stuff. If the loss to Texas Tech might not hurt because Texas Tech's probably not in the mix for the tiebreaker.
1: Right. It's not a tiebreaker like Oklahoma. Oklahoma with losses to Kansas State and TCU. I think they're out. They need basically they need one of those teams to, to completely run the table and the other team to start picking up some losses. They don't want those teams to finish with a two or a one in the loss column. They need it to be like a three and a zero.
0: So that's uh I guess I can count as a, as a big a pun for the review for the entire big 12. Uh, we are now a big 12 podcast here on the cover three podcast. come to us and no one else when you want your big 12 college football takes, we have you covered. When the other shows won't give it to you.
1: Uh, upon Do any. Further, okay, one, one last Big 12. Sorry. Yeah, for shit, sure. My bad. Do any of these six teams have a shot to make it? All right. Baylor? No. Kansas? No. Kansas. So Baylor, yes. I don't believe Kansas? In it, so no. All right. Kansas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, West Virginia. Any of those five or six? Like Baylor, yes. That was a pretty snap
4: call. Kansas yes. has a, a it, chance. Five I think Kansas chance? has a chance.
3: Kansas yeah. has a chance.
4: They remind me Indiana when I kept saying maybe they're just good, (laughs) you know. Like that's something you have to look at them now and say maybe this isn't a cute story. Maybe they're just a good football team. Like they are
3: flawed defensively. There's no getting around that. So it's not like they're going undefeated. But who isn't in the Big (laughs) Twelve? The offense is good enough to they're going to be beat be able to beat a lot of the teams. And like we're talking about how good this conference is from top to bottom. I do feel like that this there's kind of like a random number generator kind of thing going on with the rest of the schedule.
1: How would you
0: answer your own question, bud?
1: I would say Baylor, yes, everybody. I don't think Kansas has a real shot to get there. Hater. Hey, hater, uh, you're,
3: you're with Don Williams and the other guy whose name I forgot. <laughs> <Jack> <laughs> why, don't you go, why don't you guys go hang out and rank Florida, huh? Uh,
0: Danny, upon further review, anything else from the notebook or that we haven't gotten a chance to touch on uh, yet from the week that was before we turned the page?
4: Um... How concerned are you about? I mean, there's some higher, there's some buyers remorse here, clearly at East Lansing. What do you, what do you tell my guy Dusty, my co-host there? I try to encourage him. Unfortunately, I've been there in this position before with Florida State, years past, rough loss for me. But any concern that's more serious for Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom, you you were on that one kind of early. I just, I've, I think that what you're seeing is again, it's they're not. As
3: good and they've lost a little bit like in recruiting they're just kind of losing pace with a lot of the other schools and I I don't think you have to hit the alarm bell that oh my god Oklahoma sucks now or it's going to be mediocre but there's clearly work that needs to be done that is not a quick fix no matter what And I mentioned this a little bit on Saturday night because like that defense is Oklahoma's defense was never great, but it was improving under Alex Grinch before he left with Lincoln to USC, and it is taking a step back this year. And with the SEC move coming up, my concern is you do not want to get yourself into a hole as you join the SEC, because once you get in there and you're facing the SEC West or wherever you're going to be, however they realign things, that hole is going to be a hell of a lot harder to dig out of.
4: The other uh, thing I noticed too about the ACC was, man, I wish they didn't have divisions this year because I think Wake Forest is the second best team in the mm-hmm. conference, and that's going to stink because you're going to watch somebody play from the coastal, whoever it is. Maybe it's North Carolina, uh, probably North Carolina at the rate they're playing now. They play Miami this weekend. That should be a fun game, but uh, it's it's one of those years you wish you had your two best teams playing because I think it'd be the best foot forward for the conference, and I think Wake Forest is the second best team.
0: No, I think is it is might be NC State. Game.
1: Really, I mean, look—they physically they they banged with with Clemson and Clemson, and I mean, two turnovers were 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 pretty big. Uh, Clemson looks like the best team in the ACC right now, Mm -hmm. overall. If if North Carolina can play a lick of defense, I'd be really excited. Maybe about that that title game. I think Pitt still has a shot to win that division, which is crazy because their their loss is not a tiebreaker loss. But they, and you can't be losing at home to Georgia Tech. That's that's one of somebody who has has a nice you know Pitt ticket. Ah, uh, that was annoying to me over the weekend. But with Wake, like they got to face Clemson when Clemson was without like all their defensive guys. I don't think FSU is any good at all right now. Like I, I looked at my power ratings. I don't have them in the top fifty-five with current injuries. Like the guys they don't have right now are a big deal. The players they have playing are not good football players. So I, I mean, that they. They could have put 50 on FSU, I think, if they wanted to. Like, in the second half, they really just decided to run the ball. It was 20, I think, 25 rushes and six passes they threw Mm -hmm. in the second half. Uh, I think NC State is a better team than Wake. But I I, I mean, I think it's up for debate. Mm -hmm.
0: That's listen, the North Carolina Miami game is not a fun game. That is listening to two siblings yell at each other. That's like watching Liam and Noel Gallagher yell at each other where one of them's just saying, but the music, the music, and the other one's just saying, you want to be Keith Richards? You want to be Keith Richards? I mean, it's just <laughs> nonsensical. They're not even speaking the same language. Oh, <laughs> There will be a winner, and that does have a lot of significance. I'm not entirely sure that North Carolina-Miami is going to be a fun game, but who knows? I,
3: I think the only thing the ACC needs to care about right now is that Clemson looks like a playoff team again. Yes. Sorry, Tabo. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. disrespecting your team, but you know, I know that's what you want. But Clemson legitimately looks like a playoff team again. So I think that's the biggest thing the ACC has going for it.
0: Um, I, anything else? Upon further review, what else from the notebook that we haven't gotten a chance to hit on either on Saturday night or so far here on Monday?
3: As we went over at the top of the show, I was very busy yesterday. So my
1: upon further reviewing has not needs a little bit more upon further
3: reviewing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, shoot. What was the kid's name? I I just watched this game this morning. Uh, Cincinnati has a guy on their roster now. Uh, I I, I should have written his name down. This is, this is poor show prep. by me. I know this is G5 and it's a defensive player in the G5, but uh, where can I see defense tackling here? Tackles for loss. Oh, this Ivan Pace Junior kid, have you seen him this year? Mm-hmm. He's a freak. He had <laughs> ten tackles uh, against Tulsa. He had uh, two and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble, uh, tipped the ball. I think it was picked. It, just one and a half sacks. This guy's a beast. Uh, I'm Luke Tulsa Fickle could not block him. That's
3: one thing. But speaking of which, is it kind of strange to you guys that like? All these power five jobs have come open and Luke Fickle's not being mentioned for any of them.
2: I
0: mean, I've he has like nine a-
3: kids. It's hard to move that many kids. Yeah, so I thought I that was
0: a Luke Fickle thing.
3: That's what I'm saying. I feel like people have caught on, but I'm still it's like when the Scott, like I was doing the Wisconsin candidates and I was like, ah oh, Fickle. And I was like, I don't know if he'd leave for Wisconsin, especially now that Cincinnati's on its way to a power five. But I'm just surprised that we haven't seen him pop up coaching candidate lists, considering he spent the last few years like the number one guy for any power five job that came
1: open. All right. Question for you guys upon further review after seeing a couple of these games. Cincinnati or the field right now for the American? Cincinnati. Cincinnati's plus 150 at some spots, and I'm not sure they shouldn't be odds on.
0: They should be odds on.
1: I'm yeah, Cincinnati.
0: UCF doesn't have a passing offense. Houston is well. <laughs> may, uh, Houston Upon
3: might be review, I would like to rescind my Houston will win the AAC preseason prediction.
1: Same. <laughs> they got a bunch of guys out on defense right now. Like their their stud DN's gone. Uh, Owens and Green didn't play in the back end. And I when I saw that that Pratt was out, I was like, damn it, because I you know we we all no. I think a couple of us had Tulane. Uh, for sprinkles or or, or locks, and uh, the fact they still won is is pretty instructive as to how much of a mess Houston appears to be right now. And that Houston, that that Tulane defense, man, is good. Mm-hmm. They really get after people. You think um, Fritz Shout out UTSA to. too.
0: What'd you Sorry? say?
3: You think Willie Fritz could be in the market for like a Colorado kind of job?
0: Yeah,
1: or Kansas if if, if Kansas does lose Lance. Oh, see that? I, oh.
0: Yeah, the trickle down effect there. It's a good Mm -hmm. opportunity. And look, like to be able to go inherit what, like, whatever Lance Leipold has been able to do to help repair, like, what was certainly a a, a damaged program in the wake of Les Miles, uh, that would be a a great step up uh, for Willie Fritz or whoever might get that. But we're already. Mm
3: -hmm. Sorry. Fun little fact that I just saw from our CBS Sports Twitter account (laughs) there are four Big 12 games this week. Only one of them is a matchup of unranked teams. Do you want to guess which one it is?
0: It's Oklahoma, Texas.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the Big 12 is upside down. It's great.
0: <laughs> okay, so my upon further review is a question because I went back and I'm, I am definitely willing to, to take the you know, absence of Mo Ibrahim as being very significant. But what is the course correction on Minnesota? Because now we review and we see that Minnesota was dominating against New Mexico State was dominant against Western Illinois. Then Colorado, which obviously has panned out to be one of the worst power five teams in the country and Michigan state. Now, even that win, as uh, as the Spartans continue to sort of crumble away is seeming to carry less weight. They are off this week. They returned to action with back-to-back road games against Illinois and Penn state is the, or did, my question is, did I or we get over our skis a little bit with Minnesota here at the beginning of the season? Is that going to come crashing down?
3: Find crashing down.
0: Five and four in Big Ten play, taking three no. more Big Ten losses.
1: Mm, trying to think. Who do they have left?
0: They have Illinois, Penn State, Rutgers, Nebraska, Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin.
3: No, they're not losing three more Big Ten games.
1: Okay. I, I, yeah, I think they only lose two more.
0: Much love to Joe Clapp. Remember, this is the Minnesota team that he shared their schedule and said, "Tell me how this is not twelve and zero, eleven and one at worst." Minnesota.
3: You know, this was far and away their worst offensive game. I haven't watched it yet because, again, I didn't have any time to do any of that yesterday. But just looking at the numbers for their game log, you know, they had their offensive success rate on the season. They never had a game worse than fifty-two percent. They were at thirty-six point seven percent against Purdue. And their explosive rushing rate, they were one of the more explosive teams in the country on the ground. Never a game less than 10%. 0% without Mo Ibrahim in this game. They didn't have a single explosive run. I feel like that, I don't think that should impact them as much as it did, but it clearly, from what I'm seeing in the numbers, had a major impact on what they were able to do offensively in that game. Although, maybe when I go watch it, I will see that Purdue just did an incredible job stopping them.
0: Well, in three interceptions for Tanner Morgan. He did not have a good game. Well, like because he yeah.
3: and they had, he had no run
1: game to lean on. I think upon further review, it, it is worth looking at uh, USC again. So they, they beat Arizona State like a lot of people have beaten Arizona State this year and did not look very impressive. Uh, I mean, they were the beneficiary of, what, four turnovers against Oregon State. Is USC starting to maybe find its level here? And if so, do you make USC the favorite for the Pac-12? Because Vegas certainly does right now, along with Utah. But I kind of think there are five teams who could legitimately still win the Pac-12, depending on how some some things break.
0: USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah, Washington State. Wait, Wait, hold on. How many teams did you say?
1: I said five. I I don't think I don't count Washington State in there, but maybe I should. So
0: you would have USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah, and Washington as your five teams. Any one of them could win.
3: I think so. I will say that was probably their worst defensive performance that I have seen so far this year against Arizona State, which is not a great sign. But the one thing that I think is worth mentioning is USC's weakness, I think, defensively more than anything, has been stopping the run. Arizona State is the one team they face that has a very much a run-first kind of quarterback. And I think if you look at that going forward, that would be what I would look at to be what USC's downfall ultimately is. So a team that could run the ball well could have a lot of success against this Trojans team going forward. And there are a few teams in the Pac 12 that are capable of running the ball who are also contenders for the Pac 12 title. So,
0: yeah, Zach Pop the Charbonnet is going to sit mm-hmm. there and like dice this group up. I think that UCLA USC game is first one to 40. I mean, that's a long, long way in the
3: future. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs>
3: But, I mean, Utah could possibly take advantage. It. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's, there. there's just, like, that defense, they've, the turnovers that they forced have been tremendous, but it's covered up a lot of holes.
0: USC not playing Oregon, not playing Washington, we've always viewed that as an advantage in the regular season schedule. The head-to-head that they will have either a win or a loss against Utah or UCLA, both those games being road games. Again, road with UCLA, take that for whatever that's worth. But i I think that it is. Uh, I think it is likely that you. I think USC probably takes a conference loss. I'll say that.
1: I think they take two. Ooh. I think they
3: take seven. No.
0: <laughs> are we? so we playing? Um, where he been? I can name four. I can name five. We were joking. We're n- next year. We're gonna get out here and see. Uh, If we can, who can be the earliest to predict when a coach is going to get fired? It will be the most mean spirited episode in years. We're just going to spend a whole day in August telling you that now that money is meaningless and buyouts aren't real, who's getting canned on September 18th? We'll play it all the way out.
3: Seriously, buyouts are being paid for in like crypto or something, right? Like it doesn't actually exist.
1: (laughs) I bet you some of them are deferred money. Like Even they, what the Big Ten's getting?
0: What do you mean? Like they, they enter into a, a new like kind of contractual buyout agreement that basically is sets up as a nice little retirement fund for mm-hmm. these coaches where they're not going to be seeing any of it right away, but they know they've got it sitting on the back burner.
1: The Bobby Bonilla thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. just with, with how much money is coming to the Big Ten, I, it would just make sense to just go deferred money and, and pay a little more, but pay it in the long term.
0: Probably. I mean... Then again, you're just like, just oh, yeah, we'll worry about that later. Oh, yeah, we'll worry about that later. Wait, did you guys
1: see Cristobal's press conference? No. Uh, somebody asked him if uh, Miami will consider going back to their more up-tempo spread like last year, and Cristobal said, quote, we are a power spread offense. We are not fully committed tempo offense, running plays every 12 to 14 seconds. You can't take anything off the table or scrap things you want to get better at. That is sort of a word salad, but <laughs> uh, yeah. North
0: Carolina and Miami, two siblings fighting in the back seat of a long car ride.
3: It's I, I love your Saturday. timely Oasis references.
0: Huh?
3: I love your timely Oasis references. Oh, too. yeah,
0: very relevant, right?
3: Big <laughs> popular band these days. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: like oh. I, think, I think Liam Gallagher at this stage is known more for being a Manchester City fan than being a musician. <laughs>
0: One day, one day Noel will get over his pride and they'll give us the reunion show that we all want. I'll go. If they tour, I'd go. Yeah, the, I think they could. Yeah, You'll see. Wednesday, very, very fun show on deck for you. In addition to getting you set for a huge weekend of college football, uh, we will be looking back at our season win totals. Some of them have already cashed as it was prophesized. A couple of them have already cashed. A couple may be dead in the water or soon to be dead in the water as we will uh, hold some analysis. So what are we feeling the best about? What are we feeling the worst about? Uh, a review of our win totals locks that'll be coming up on Wednesday uh, as well as some of the larger win totals check-in conversation. You can follow him on Twitter at elliott 3 You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
3: Thank you.